Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the 14th day of January, January, June 2023. Happy, you know, I have clocks staring right in the face. It tells me everything I need to know about what exactly it is and I got no freaking idea. Anyway, it's Wednesday, June 14th, 2023. Welcome to the program. I'm Derek Hunter. I am insane or sleep-deprived, or whatever the hell's wrong with me. I don't know. It'd take a team of experts to figure it out. Oh, man, lots going on today. Don't forget about the support of the show per curse program, patreon.com slash derekhunterpodcast, derekhunter.locals.com. You get a chance to win autographed books. This week's autographed book battle is between Brad Thor and Hall of Fame, I think he's a linebacker, Ray Lewis. I know, I know, I should know, but I don't. So uh, check it out. Both are autographed. <clears throat> um, okay. Today was the big day. It is progressive Christmas, right in the middle of Pride Month, right before the big Juneteenth celebrations and everything. Good God, what the hell's wrong with this country? Um, we celebrate mediocrity. We celebrate garbage. We cheer worthlessness. We The only thing we can't, can't celebrate is accomplishment. Can't celebrate you know, achievement, I can't celebrate hard work, can't celebrate somebody who doesn't check a box in the progressive food chain, especially, you know, it's not just whitey, it's, it's Asians and it's Indians. You, uh, you guys have done too well. So you don't really count as minorities anymore. It's weird. I, I granted, I wouldn't have been involved in the voting, but because I'm, I'm already the one who was kicked out or I was, I was, I was never allowed in. Right, being a white guy, but the Asians and the Indians—they are—they were in, and now they're being kicked out because they screw up the narrative. This country is wildly racist, and it keeps people down. You can't, it's fundamentally at its core a racist country, and uh, anybody in anything that that contradicts that, because if, if we really were fundamentally at our core wildly racist, we'd, we'd suck at being racist. Because Asians and Indians are kicking... Actually, there's a whole group of people who are kicking the crap out of stupid, fat trailer park whitey. Am I right? Am I right? Yeah, as a stupid, fat trailer park whitey myself, I just sit there and coast on my privilege and I'm being lapped by people I thought I was oppressing. Anyway, it I don't even know how I got off on that. But it is the day, it is Christmas Day for Democrats. Since they don't believe in God and they only believe in government... The government has gone after and indicted and arraigned Donald Trump. There's a big circus down there in Miami. I myself spent a couple of hours in Washington, D.C. today, meaning Tuesday, on Al Jazeera uh, Arabic talking about what was going on. It was really kind of weird. It was through a translator. I don't know how how much you can get out of that in a political debate, but it was fun. It was fun. The lefty, it's, this is why Republicans lose. Just because of the focus of this lefty. I can't remember his name. It doesn't matter his name. The names are interchangeable. This guy was asked a question about the Trump indictment, 
and he made it sound as though, and if you would just, if all of your information regarding this case came from this guy, you would be thanking God today that Donald Trump is finally behind bars, that this menace was put away. And now this guy wasn't unique. There are a dime a dozen, these leftists. Everything was, oh my God, Donald Trump is horrible. It's terrible. It's ter-. You point out how it is that, uh, you know, maybe the Justice Department should, I don't know, try to explain how a uh, a former president can be indicted for what Donald Trump is alleged to have done. And I've said it before, the best day for the prosecution is the day of the indictment because there's there's just the evidence they want the world to see and nothing else, no exculpatory evidence, nothing that's half-hearted, nothing. But they uh, they should explain how it is that what sure as hell seems an awful lot like what Hillary Clinton did and what Joe Biden did is only worth being charged because of Donald Trump, or in the case of Donald Trump. And this guy, bless his little heart, he tried to explain it away. He tried to distract it away. He once went off and said, well, I find it interesting that we're talking about something about Hillary Clinton's emails. That was 2015. That's a long time ago. Like, oh, so justice has an expiration date or injustice has an expiration date? Great. Let's talk about all the whining about leftists that I just pointed out about leftists talking about injustice, okay? Slavery was a big injustice, repercussions. No, 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 no. It has an expiration date. It didn't happen to you. Not only didn't happen to you, it didn't happen to anybody you've ever met or anybody who's ever met anybody you've ever met. But somehow you've been wronged by this. Okay. No, you see, the double standard is the problem. The left can't address that. This guy couldn't address any of the facts. He was very good at little bomb throwing and spitball shooting, but he wasn't very good at pointing out, as leftists are not, at pointing out any specifics, doing a little thing we call providing evidence. I realize that's out of fashion, it's out of style, it's not what the kids do these days. And actually, if you look at the rare instances where there are conservatives and liberals actually having discussions, having debates about anything, news of the day related anywhere. You should thank MSNBC and CNN. Why is that? Because it doesn't matter if somebody is just a weak sauce debater, just terrible at it, or they are a skilled, dare I say, even master debater, such as I. The left can't counter the left cannot counter. It has gotten, in the past few years, and more recently it's even gotten even worse, it has gotten laughable to have a discussion with a leftist. They are incapable of it because, thanks to MSNBC and CNN, they haven't had to. Debate, honest discussion about an issue no longer exists. You've got the host who represents a side, In the case of MSNBC and CNN, it is the left side. And then they have somebody to come on and agree with them. And agree with them. And when you have somebody around you who just agrees with you, if that's all you have around you, if you are never challenged and never forced to use muscles in a way, the brain is a muscle, in a way that you 
don't normally use it, what used to be there will atrophy away. So it's really kind of funny watching these people go, uh, yeah, no, look, Donald Trump is the most corrupt president in American history. Okay, well, based on what? Well, I mean, look at the guy. Look at all the guy did. That's not an answer. What did he do? Where are the convictions? Because, you know, Bill Clinton did actually uh, commit perjury. He did lose his law license. He wasn't prosecuted. Why? Because George W. Bush was a weak sauce Republican. You know, the old school. We're looking forward. There, it's all part of the club. Once you know the secret handshake, it's it's all good. You got to fight out in public and be rock'em sock'em robots. But when you're in private, you're all high fiving and laughing at everybody. So, yeah, they they didn't look into anything. I still. I'm angry that they never got to the bottom of the Chinese money that was funding the 1996 Clinton-Gore re-election campaign and how it was that Al Gore could come out of a Buddhist temple with monks who took a vow of poverty with $200,000 in donations. That's a neat trick. I want to find out how to do that. Does this, does this monastery have like the secret unicorn that eats ones and poops fives? Because if so, I need some time with that thing. I'd like to spend some time with that unicorn, if possible, right? But that's not how it works when it's... That's not how it works now. That's not how it works now. It's how it should never have worked, but it's how it worked for a very long time. And then Democrats said to hell with it. We've got to upset the norms. Rather than stand up to their radical fringe, they all decided to become the radical fringe, to follow the radical fringe, that there was more money in it. Why that is, I don't know. George Soros's kid just took over the $25 billion they had. I assume George is getting ready to drop dead. And, uh, you know, so what? Who cares? But his little brat kid is at the White House, seemingly more so than, uh, well, certainly way more than the grandkid that the Biden family completely ignores. And way more than most people should be. You remember... By the way, you remember the uh, in the Biden administration when they're like, release the visitors' logs. We're being transparent. And there's like, hey, Jeremiah Wright's been here an awful lot. And I go, wasn't that Jeremiah Wright? Like, uh, okay. Hey, uh, Al Sharpton's been here. Not that Al different. There are many different Al Sharpton. There are many different Jeremiah Wrights. They, uh, they at least lied. They were lying, but now the Democrats don't even bother lying. George Soros' kid might as well have a satellite office set up there. His only accomplishment in life is being the sperm that broke the egg, and he now gets to have an outsized influence over the Democratic Party because they are too worthless to stand up to him, and they only really do care about the money. And he will fight for a radical, he's even more political than his daddy was. Uh, he will fight for a more radical Democratic Party. And the whole time they'll be crying, what? The Republican Party has moved so far to the right. The Republican Party has moved so far from the right, I don't even know who they are anymore. I don't feel like I have a place in this Republican Party because they have moved so far from the right to the right to the right. Oh, my goodness. I want to play this just to illustrate that point. <clears throat> the Republican Party hasn't moved 
far from the right. There have always been factions in the Republican Party. There have always been groups of people in the Republican Party who care more about fiscal issues than anything else. There are people in the Republican Party who care more about social issues than anything else. Ideally, everybody would care about all of the things, but honestly, it doesn't matter. The left, they find their one issue, it's obedience, and they just go with it and they do what they're told. But Republicans, social conservatives, and fiscal conservatives never really got along. But to sit there and lie and say, well, uh, they point out, look at the social conservatives. They moved so far to the right. Look at the way that they used to be. And then they cite someone like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan never cared about those issues. And then they say, well, look at uh, the social conservatives. They're losing flavor and power in the... Republican Party because Paul Ryan is Speaker of the House. No, that Paul Ryan was Speaker of the House is a, is a bit of poor judgment. Again, you shouldn't probably pick the guy that Mitt Romney tapped to be VP to be your leader once you recognize, which you should have right from the beginning, that Mitt Romney is a squish. But that being said, you also shouldn't elect... If, if the guy doesn't want to be your leader, don't make him your leader. It's a good pro tip in life. Don't follow people who don't want to be leading because it'll go nowhere good. But anyway, to demonstrate the diversity of the Republican Party, I want to play you this clip because you won't find anything to the contrary. I think there was one member of the House of Representatives in the Democratic Party who was pro-life. That's it. Even, the, even our devout Catholic president, devout Catholic, it was either become president or pope. Joe couldn't figure it out. He tossed a coin, and it came up tails. And he'd forgotten what he'd called tails. And so he just kind of then forgot where he was and moved on and became president. Uh, Yeah, he's a devout Catholic. He's one of those devout Catholics who looks at all of the Catholic dogma and says, oh, yeah, I know I, I obey the church completely, but I mean not on the stuff that the church says it should be obeyed on. I just like the hats. But anyway, Republicans actually do have diversity of thought. This is a clip that made the rounds about Paul Ryan on Tuesday because he appeared on CBS in the morning show um, in a way to just demonstrate how awful Paul Ryan is and what's wrong and why Republicans lose. It's true. And you can get that from this, and we'll talk about that. But I want to play it as well just to show you that there is, in fact, diversity of opinion on the right. Can I get your thoughts on that movement just quickly? I know we have to go, but Republican lawmakers around the country are pushing legislation when it comes to banning books. Um, It could be trans rights. Call it anti-woke or however you want to label it. Is that a good approach, a good strategy? You're a football fan. Is that the way you should approach it? Yeah, I'm I'm not a culture war guy. Uh, I think it's really polarizing. Look, on some of these issues, I'll side, uh, you know, with the anti-woke crowd. But to me, I'm worried about a debt crisis. I'm worried about, you know, the future of our country and, and China there are big policy problems that we need to tackle if we want to have a great 21st century for this country. Um, my work at AEI Notre Dame and my Poverty Foundation is all about poverty and upward mobility. You know, what I worry about are the big policy challenges that are going unresolved or made worse by Joe Biden. So that's why I want to win this election so we can actually fix these big policy problems. Yeah. Cultural war politics is good primary election politics. It's very divisive, but it's effective very politics. It's effective politics. I'll grant you that. But for me, I'm an old Jack Kemp guy. I believe in inclusive, aspirational politics. 
solve problems. We got we got huge problems. So we got a debt crisis coming. We got to get on top of that. Neither Biden or Trump are good on this issue. So both of these people. Yeah, I'm not a big culture war guy. I you know. If kids want to cut off their genitals, I don't care as long as the balance is the budget is balanced. If teachers want to get a little uh, circle of paper uh, to each kid and some safety scissors and sit down and make them make dioramas about how those teachers have intercourse with their thruple, I'm perfectly okay with that as long as we are bending the spending curve slowly down. You know, and you sit there and you go. How the hell was this guy Speaker of the House? Look, I on fiscal issues, I'm right there with Paul Ryan. But are those the most important issues? They are. They are among the most important. But you can multitask. Notice how he says, "I I agree on some of this stuff on there." Instead of saying to this guy, and I don't know who the host, no, who the hell knows who hosts the CBS show. But if this guy is sitting there going, you know, they got the book bans, you got the, no books have been banned. You just say, hey, um, you said book bans. This is how you handle it if you're not a, a hack like Paul Ryan. You say, you, you said book bans. Could you tell me which books have been banned and where? Uh, well, I mean, they're, they've been banned because they've been ba- This is, again, goes back to what I was talking about when uh, my time on Al Jazeera and my time in dealing with Democrats over the past, I don't know, 10 years. There was a time when they would have at least been able to say, uh, hey, they're banning gender queer or something. They probably would have picked a different book that doesn't involve how-to illustrations to uh, perform various sex acts on young boys. You probably would have skipped that one. They'd have come up with something else, but they would have definitely had something chambered. Now they don't, they don't have anything chambered because the premise is a lie. No books are being banned. Books are being moved from elementary schools to older school libraries. You want to read about that crap? Get older, all right? Kids have no need for that. What I really want to... You know, I tell you the kid I'm afraid for and afraid of is the kid who in third grade goes, Hey, man, where's the copy of Gender Queer in this library? I've really got to read this. I want to talk to that kid. I want to find out, hey, uh... How'd you find out about this book? I think I knew in my entire elementary school career, I knew of one book, Where the Sidewalk Ends. That was it. It was the only book I think I ever signed out in elementary school. That and like the Star Wars book, which was like a paperback piece of crap that had been done. I think I did a, I think in seventh grade, I did a report on Star Wars, the book, because I wasn't about to read a book to do a book report on. But I'd seen Star Wars enough times that I didn't need to to read the book. I'm sure I passed it. I shouldn't have, but it might have been a lazy teacher. But if a kid is asking, hey, where's that how-to manual to perform oral sex on other boys? I think that kid, we need to have a little bit of an evaluation of that kid. I suspect that that kid might have been um, abused or has some adults maybe grooming them for things at a minimum. But no, instead you get some jackass on CBS Morning Show going, Republicans, they're banning books everywhere. They're just one step away from burning them. Find me a public school library or find me really a public library in a major city in the United States of America, meaning a place that is controlled by Democrats. Find me one 
that carries Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier. We want to talk about a book ban. Right there's a book ban. Or the end of the end of sex or the end of gender, I forget what it, it's called, forgive me, by uh, Dr. Deborah So. You, you'll have difficulty finding those books in public school libraries. You'll have difficulty finding my book in public school libraries. Not because it didn't sell, it did quite well. It's that it, it it's not leftist propaganda. That's all there is to it. So you sit there and you're the former Speaker of the House and you say this kind of crap. You could easily say, hey, look, it's different. I don't really care about this kind of stuff, but when you start messing with kids and you start talking with kids about sex, that's where I draw the line and that's what they're talking about. If, you, if you're not quick enough on your feet to say, the, hey, which books have been banned kind of thing, that'd be a good response. But no, instead... Eddie Munster gives the left exactly what they want. He curries favor with them. This is how you end up on with all those jobs. Oh, you're over at AEI. Oh, great. See, to be at AEI, you have to be... Uh, it's the American Enterprise Institute. When I was younger and I was a health policy analyst, you had to be... To work at AEI, you had to be conservative. You had to be very conservative and you had to advance, try to advocate for, advance, support, at least in your area of expertise, a conservative agenda. Now you have to be a Republican who doesn't really care too much for conservatism. I know what happened at AEI. It was money. It was money. They hosted George Soros. They tra- the uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say this. I like the guy. I do like the guy. Arthur Brooks was, I think, for 10 years, the president of the American Enterprise Institute. I interviewed him a few times. He was always an extremely nice man. He made uh, documentaries about being uh, super happy and everything. He's kind of a, a bit of a hippie guy. But again, super nice, wildly smart, but not particularly conservative. He had his conservative bent on certain things. But his job of the president of an organization like that is not necessarily to be the policy head figure. And all it should be, at least in part, it's mostly to kiss donors' butts. And the way you keep a job like that, and you make a pretty penny at a job like that, is to go through and increase the donor base. Bring in even more money. Then you get to keep your job and you get even more money next time your contract is up, so on and so forth. I'm not saying that's necessarily a the motivating factor for Arthur Brooks while he was there. I think he genuinely thought he was doing good. I mean, he's written books about love your enemies and blah, blah, blah. Let's all get along. And he's friends with the Dalai Lama. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of thing. But first and foremost, as the president of a conservative think tank, you should be conservative. And he kind of lost track of the conservatism. He did. Bringing in George Soros. You want to bring in George Soros for a debate, for a discussion, for a serious, serious discussion, maybe even a grilling without being rude, then you do that. But if you want to bring him in so you can say, look it, we've brought him in. We get along with everybody. Let's bring more liberals in. And then you start hiring liberals. 
it's a problem. I went and saw an event there with uh, Sheryl Sandberg. You might have heard the name Sheryl Sandberg. She was a Facebook executive. She's since left. She's got more money than she knows what to do with. Filthy rich. Her biggest accomplishment was being a woman in tech. That's about it. I don't honestly know what she's accomplished in her life because everything you read about her and everything you see about her is how she's a high-achieving woman in tech. Okay, well, what are the achievements? Well, she's got this job. Okay, yeah, but that's not really an achievement per se, is it? Don't you have to... What did she do in that job? Well, she, she's got that job. She's like the second-ranking person at Facebook. Doing what, though? Like, it, it, it drives me nuts. The thing that drove me nuts about Elizabeth Holmes, the uh, Theranos founder, and now doing 11 years in prison for committing billions upon billions of dollars in fraud... She was celebrated left and right. Left and right. Oh, my. I wrote about this for years before she was finally convicted. There's a great documentary. There's a great podcast series. There's a movie on Hulu. I don't have Hulu, so I, don't, I haven't seen it. But um, there, there's the story of Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Was she, she had this idea that you could take a drop of blood rather than having to draw vials of blood. You take a drop of blood, and you can run all sorts of medical tests on just that drop. You don't need a whole bunch of blood, which, you know, would be awesome if you could do it because then you could just prick a finger rather than try and tap a vein. It just doesn't work. That's the problem. The technology doesn't work. It never worked. It never came close to working. Not that it will never work in the future. Who the hell knows? We could have, you know, uh, hypo sprays and all sorts of things like they have in Star Trek in the future. Tricorder scanning people. But right now we don't have it. The technology doesn't exist. The problem was Elizabeth Holmes kept telling everybody it did work. And she lied. And she committed all sorts of fraud because she couldn't admit that she couldn't get it to work. Again, doesn't mean it will never work, the concept. It just means that she wasn't able to do it. But you would not have known that for the 10 years that Elizabeth Holmes was celebrated as though she had cured whatever it is that ails you. Non-stop hero, magazine covers, glowing profiles on television. Boy, how do you, she needed to gain weight so she'd have more butt for the leftist media to kiss. All because what? Not because the world was clamoring for this technology, although the, tech, the world would have clamored for the technology if it worked, but because she was a woman in tech. That's the kind of mentality. When you just kind of try to go along to get along, you end up celebrating things that don't that shouldn't really be celebrated. Pride month. Why? Why? What did, it, well, pride. Okay, but what did you do? I got breast implants and had my penis removed. Okay, but why would I celebrate that? Pride. That's not pride. That's that's weird. Like, that's that's horrible. You, you see these stories, and I know I'm going off on a tangent here, and I do it all the time, so just bear with me, but there are all these stories about uh, Ellen Page, the actress Ellen Page. Because she came out with an autobiography now, selling, curiously, I saw it when I went to Target to see about their Pride Parade, uh, Pride Stand. Of course, Paige knows exactly when to release these books because it's Pride Month. Oh, buy this book, Pride, Pride, Pride. Well, pretty much everything in this book demonstrates that Ellen Page has mental problems, is in need of some serious counseling. She discovered that she's trans, that she's really a man after spending the weekend punching herself in the face 
and dealing with depression. I'm not exaggerating. I'm simplifying, but I'm not exaggerating. Look it up yourself. And you sit there and you go, huh. And then two weeks later, she was having her breasts removed surgically. And you go, that seems a little bit odd. Like, okay, maybe maybe you weren't super comfortable in your own body, but the taking it to the point of punching yourself into the face to get bloodied and bruised, that's a little bit extreme. And then this story from the Daily Mail. Elliot, they call her, they call her Elliot Page now. Elliot Page has revealed she developed, and they use he, but I'm not going to, that she developed stress-induced shingles on the set of Inception in 2010 after feeling, quote, out of place in a cast full of cis men, end quote. You could have quit. You know, there's nothing to, hey, you want to take this job? Yeah, I want to take this job. Oh, wait, no, no, it's all a bunch of white dudes. The Oscar-nominated Star 36 opened about the incident in her new book, Page Boy, which has lifted the lid on her life in showbiz so far. Oh, yeah, lifted the lid. Anybody want to look in? Elliot, who was just 22 at the time, told that she developed the illness and feared she would be recast with Kira Knightley. Yeah, they could have gone for, you know, a, a, a good actress. She starred in the Christopher Nolan blockbuster alongside Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Tom Hardy, and Cillian Murphy. She wrote, quote, Shingles communicated the stress my body felt. It popped out of my spine while filming Inception when I was 22. Despite everyone being delightful to work with, I felt out of place in a cast full of cis men. I did not understand the role I found myself in. For the first two weeks of the films, uh, film, I joked I would be recast with Kara Knightley, and rightfully so, end quote. Well, I thought you were a dude. Shouldn't you have been wildly comfortable around other dudes? Shouldn't you have been talking about all the other hot chicks around? Look at that chick over there. Wouldn't I? No, no. Well, of course, Ellen hadn't yet discovered that after a weekend of punching himself in the face, you could have your breast removed two weeks later. Who knew? I'm not a psychologist. I don't even play one on TV. However, I would think that is more a sign of neuroses than anything else. Anyway, back to Paul Ryan and the American Enterprise Institute, one of the places that pay him an exorbitant amount of money for probably not a whole lot of work. He's one of those guys you want on your your letterhead so you can fundraise off of him. This is the problem with conservatism. It's not really, that's maybe the wrong word. This is the thing about conservatism. It actually does have diversity. We don't celebrate it. Because we don't look at it as spectacular. We don't look at existence, the mere fact of existence, of being worthy of a parade. You just exist. There are people like Paul Ryan who don't care that children are being pressured, groomed into sexual sterilization and mutilation. It's not his priority. It bothers him a little bit. If you put something on the ballot, he might vote for it. He'll forgive you if you talk about it a little bit, but not too much, as long as you get back to talking about how Jack Kemp was right about whatever he thinks Jack Kemp was right about, and you try to cut taxes. Because, you know, look, I don't like taxes any more than anybody else. I might like them less than other people. But when you look at this garbage and you go, okay, 
This is this is kind of the problem with the Republican Party, to this faction of the Republican Party. Okay, you, you cut taxes. What are you going to do now? Well, we're going to cut taxes. All right, great. Now you're going to cut taxes. What? Well, we cut taxes. Okay, but then you're going to do what? We've got to cut tax. We'll cut some regulation, too. And then we'll cut corporate taxes. All good for the economy. But you're horrible at messaging. And the average person out there at some point, if you cut their taxes 10%, and that equals out to $1,000 over the course of the year, they don't notice it. Or they move on really quickly. They appreciate the uh, extra 40 bucks in their paycheck every two weeks, but they get used to it pretty quickly and start blowing it. You've got to have something else for them to care about. And if you've got a good chunk of the party, maybe 25 to 30% of the party saying, but I don't care about those other things, then you're going to continue to lose. Republicans really should get better at bringing in candidates and supporting candidates. And this is going to, the party's never going to do it, but the the candidates, the, the elected officials themselves, the politicians, need to get really good at identifying politicians who are overall conservative and not. But the left will still tell you, well, the Republican Party's moved to the right. How? Used to be pro-life. Now they're pro-life. Used to be for less regulation and lower taxes. Now they're for less regulation and lower taxes. It used to be for family values. Now they're for family values. If anything, on the le- they moved to the left on that one, saying, yeah, you know what? I don't care about these certain things. The Democratic Party, on the other hand, has done what? Well, they some of them used to be pro-life. Now they're all pro-abortion. It's not even pro-choice. It's pro-abortion. I'm surprised they have yet to introduce in New York City a class instructing girls to get pregnant for the express purpose of getting an abortion. It's only a matter of time, or so it seems. On the, nas- on the, the gay rights issue, okay, they're gay for, they were for gay marriage, not until 2012, but they act as though they've been there all along. It'd be like Neil Armstrong getting out as one small step for man, another a giant leap for mankind, and then he gets down there and goes, man, I'm on the moon, and I've I discovered the moon. I created the moon. Like no, you, you, you've been here like five minutes. As Buzz Aldrin's coming out, it's insane how they suddenly pretend that they're something they weren't. And the people who are most vocal about how important it is to be seen and heard are sitting there going, "Yeah, no, I know they're lying to us because I was, I was alive eleven years ago." But uh, I don't care. I don't care. And they've gone from. Supporting gay marriage, actually they've gone from opposing gay marriage, because it wasn't but 10 years earlier when they passed the Defense of Marriage Act and Democrats voted for that. So they've gone from opposing gay marriage to now seemingly mandating the general mutilation of children. And you go, wow, that's, that's a pretty, pretty expansive move there. It's on everything. It's on every single issue. Abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. To abortion should be handled. It should have a parade. Every abortion should be committed in the act of a parade. But they insist that the right has moved so far. And it's because of people like Paul Ryan. It's because of places like the American Enterprise Institute. They've done great work in the past, and they have great people on staff there, but there is no ideological core. 
it's sad because they used to be very effective on the issue of health care. And the people, the guy's still there who worked there when I was sort of, it was never on his level, but he's still there. But it's, it's drowned out. The institution has watered itself down. It's sad. It's sad what's happening to this country with this indictment. I don't know if Donald Trump is guilty or not, but I know that if Donald Trump deserves to be charged for this rather than publicly humiliated and given a a speech by the FBI director like Hillary Clinton was, um, then Hillary Clinton should have been indicted. As the statute, I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on the mishandling of classified material. Is there? It's been a while for Trump. Is it long enough? And you can sit there on television and go, well, I can't believe we're talking about what happened in 2015. Okay. Well, then go ahead and tell me about how you need reparations for slavery. Go ahead. Tell me how you how this country is fundamentally racist because Democrats 100 years ago were, well, they're actually kind of like Democrats now. Just different words, different wording in that. It's tempting to sit there and think that we're winning the culture wars because you rack up a victory in the culture wars every once in a while. But a victory here and there does not mean overall victory. A win does not mean victory. We're looking at a a situation that's an absolute mess. And the left is not, they're unrelenting. They're not going to give up. They won't listen. They don't care. Polls came out this week. 70% of the American public says that this trans stuff is garbage and that guys playing in girls' sports is bad, is horrible, is robbing women, robbing young girls of opportunities. Do the people who scream this is what democracy looks like then go, oh, wait a second, I guess we were wrong. If we are for democracy, we must stop what we're no they didn't they don't care they do not care it is agenda uberalis said in german for a reason that's how it works it's so pathetic really honestly what the hell's going on this headline from new republic you want to talk about message discipline and why it is the left wins they have zero craps to give about anything They really don't. This story from the uh, New Republic. Starbucks denies union allegations, a ban of pride decorations. Now, their original headline, before somebody actually did some accidental journalism or Starbucks responded to the story, was Starbucks to take down all pride decorations in disgusting cave to far right. It was presented as a news story. In a disgusting cave. It's a disgusting cave. (laughs) The subheadline is the decision all but guarantees further attacks on the LGBTQ people and culture. It's all but guarantees it. It is over. Well, then Starbucks came out and denied it. All day long, leftists denied themselves Starbucks. Knee-jerkly. They did not need to be ordered to do it. There was no need for a boycott call. It just happened. It just happened. Starbucks then says, no, it's a lie. Now, there'll still be some people over the next couple of days on the left who don't, I hate Starbucks, I'm not going to Starbucks, because the Starbucks union, which seems to be hell-bent on destroying the company, parasites always do ultimately destroy the host, uh, 
um, insisted that this was happening without evidence. Now, it's kind of funny because there is no without evidence. They claim this without evidence. They claim that. Nope. None of that. It's just reported. Because we live in a world where nobody thinks critically and nobody questions, nobody on the left anyway, questions anything remotely related to orthodoxy. It is, take this pill. All right, well, I just did. What? Uh, no, okay, well, it was a suppository. Well, all right, shove another one in there. Let's do this. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. That's who these people are. Johns Hopkins University. Their diversity and inclusion section and gender and sexuality resources. Such a thing exists. They have an LGBTQ glossary. Now, why about the uh, QIA plus two spirit, whatever, wavy equal sign, empty set, whatever. What happened to all the other people that they're adding to this? Why do they just limit it to that? By the way, the uh, L, the G, and the B pretty much covers everything, and all the other letters hate the T. But that's beside the point. They know they're full of crap. They have a glossary to define LGBTQ terms, because in case you didn't know. Why would you? Who cares? Gay man. This is the definition of gay man. A man, because realistically, if you think about it, the G covers everything. You don't need the L or the B or the T. Q. Q is either questioning or queer, depending on who's doing it. They don't even know what it stands for anymore. They really don't. They got a flag that looks like a, a series of lava lamps threw up all over it in a rectangle shape. And they all go, oh, it's a pride flag. Hey, what are these colors representing? Like, I don't know. I, don't, I think that one is toenail fungus. And the other one is like uh, Joe Biden's root. Can- I don't know what these things mean. But damn it, have pride in it. And yet these idiots are controlling so much of our national dialogue and a huge percentage of our economy. Anyway, a gay man is, a, according to Johns Hopkins, a man who is emotionally, romantically, sexually, affectionately, or relationally attracted to other men who or who identifies as a member of the gay community. Wait, what? A gay man who is emotionally attracted. Now, if you've ever been in part of a sports team, I don't know what emotional attraction is, I guess. Maybe it's because I'm repressed. But if you really just love the camaraderie of uh, being around your teammates, does that mean you're, you're gay? Seems like it. Or somebody who identifies as... How about a, a guy who's attracted to guys, who has sex with guys? Huh? At times, gay is, it continues, because why not? At times, gay is used to refer to all people, regardless of their gender, who have their primary sexual or romantic attractions to people of their same gender. Gay is an adjective, not a noun. He is a gay, as in, he is a gay man. <laughs> Let's make fun of the gays. See, I can use it as a noun. Now, if gay is there, and they acknowledge, sometimes gay just... Re- first to gay people there is the definition of lesbian you'd think it'd be something similar right probably wouldn't mention hot lesbian porn but you never know no but you think that the definition would be somewhat similar no the definition of lesbian according to johns hopkins university 
is it's a sexual orientation. It is, quote, a non-man attracted to non-men. Huh? Well, not what the hell is a non-man? Well, that's a woman. But, you know, just like a mother used to be a birthing or is now a birthing person or people with the potential to become pregnant if you're completely brain damaged. Woman is now non-man. I mean, at least they admit, hey, there's women and there's there's men and there's non-men. Suddenly, so there's men and then there's like, what, 50, 60 different other options? It continues, while past definitions refer to lesbian as a woman who is emotionally, romantically, and or sexually attracted to other women, this updated definition includes non-binary people who may also identify with the label. Lesbian is gone. Lesbian used to be a woman attracted to other women, right? That was it. Gay was, gay covered it all, and then they said, no, we need, we don't like the gays. We really don't want anything to do with the gays. All right, fine. Uh, You're a lesbian then. Okay, great. Lesbian is the, uh, is a gay woman, and gay is a a gay man. All right, great. And then they said, but what about all these new things we're making up? And everybody kind of looked at each other like, what the hell are you talking about? These, no, 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 no. You can be a lesbian, apparently, if you identify as non-binary, even though you're biologically a dude, and you sleep with women. You're attracted to, you're a lesbian. Congratulations, you're, you're non-binary. You're not either man or woman. You have a penis. You enjoy using that penis on women, but it's somehow you're a lesbian. Congratulate. Now go and uh, change your resume to reflect this so that you can be a diversity hire or something like that. I'm not really sure what the hell is going on, but it is stupid. It is insane. It is probably receiving a whole bunch of taxpayer subsidies, and I promise you, you sit there and you laugh at the absurdity of this as you should. Laughing at the absurdity of this is not nearly enough. This is coming to some place near you and it will be there very soon. This is how it works. Stupidity spreads like a cold on a plane. That's what it does. That's how it is. So as you watch this stuff and you wonder why it is we can't have permanent victories... It's not just that the left is relentless, it's that the left is demented and unbound by reality, and they have stopped interacting with us. And they have created stereotypes and created lies about us to scare the hell out of people, to get them to vote against rational thought, or to using the power of the media to keep people wildly ignorant, like not reporting on the fact that the Biden family has been credibly, not not proven, but credibly accused of bribery, of taking bribes. If you get your news from the, the so-called mainstream media, you will not have heard that story. And then you sit there and you go, well, we're being distracted by this trans trans person who flashed boobs at the the White House. No, it's it's just you don't be mad at the don't be mad at the uh, the trans person showing off their implants. Don't be mad at that person for not having any decorum or decency or way of respect for the White House. 
have discussed with the people who invited this mutant to the White House to celebrate them. If you are somebody who whips your shirt off and acts like an, a jackass in public, in places where it shouldn't be, you are, it's not the first time. No rational person goes, you know what, I'm gonna, I have been invited to this dinner party. I've decided to attend the dinner party. And I've been to many, many dinner parties. But this one, I want to make it a little different. In the middle of it, I want to stand up and defecate right on the table. Right as the main course is coming out, I want to defecate right on the table right there. No. Nobody decides that. You know if you know somebody who would do something like that or drink themselves into oblivion, you know who they are. And you likely, if you want the decorum of somebody not defecating on your table while you're serving dinner, you don't invite the person who is known for defecating on the table. If you want a dignified event at the White House or if you hold the White House with respect in a place of reverence, you don't invite somebody like that to your event at the White House. This person was invited to the White House. This person got to hang out with Joe and Jill. This person who has had their body mutilated because of a delusion and really loves just being nude in front of children, this person has spent more time with Jill and Joe Biden, probably Hunter, he was there, he probably got his phone number, spent more time with the Biden family than the seventh grandchild of the Biden family, the one they refuse to exist, uh, refuse to acknowledge exists. Let that sink in. I give him my word as a Biden. Ah, I'm so proud of the Biden family. Spent more time with a trans activist flasher, groomer probably, possibly, than ever spent with their own flesh and blood because they don't care. It's just kind of gross, isn't it? Anyway, speaking of gross and other news, this uh, I don't know how this is a thing now. It started, I think, a few years ago when we look we're a fat country and i'm losing weight and uh, i'm losing more weight not in a healthy way but i'll be able hopefully be able to start eating again soon normally soon and then get back to the gym but the uh just the country is is getting fat it just is it has been for a very long time and now we're catering to it you watch a television commercial, you watch a reality show, you watch any of this stuff, and you're going to see not, generally anyway, not morbidly obese people, but people who are overweight by 20 pounds. You'll see that. And you go, wait a second. The, the Tonys, I watched a bit of the Tonys just to see how absurd it was with my wife on Sunday. There were a lot of people up there who were rather large rather large even some of the dancers which i don't understand how you work that out as you dance all day and you're carrying around extra weight it's because we're told to eat crap and we're told that you can be healthy at any size and you can be anything at any size and you should be anything at every size and oh my goodness and how dare you fat shame somebody etc 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 well you need to be fat shamed one of the things i find funny about human beings your friends by the way your friends probably need to step up you know, I 
I put on weight during COVID. At some point, you kind of want a friend to go, hey, you, even the wife, hey, you're putting on some weight. Because then you can stop. You can adjust. You can take it off much easier. The more you put on, the longer it takes to put it off. take it off. It'll take, it'll come off. But if you notice one thing about human beings, when you say, when you, when the person finally realizes, I'm going to do something, I'm going to join a gym, I'm going to start eating salads, I'm going to, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. All your friends go, oh man, dude, yeah, no, you were, you're disgusting. Or you were disgusting. Once you start going, oh, no, I know you were huge. I was embarrassed to be around you. I was afraid of burning up in your atmosphere. And you're like, wait, what? Why didn't you say anything at the time? Well, it's rude to so it, it would, maybe it depends on how you did it. If you did it like you just did, it's still kind of rude, <laughs> you know. No, you were disgusting. I couldn't even look at you. I wanted to vomit every time I saw you. Hey, uh, you know what would be good is once you get like ten or twenty pounds up, you'd say, "Hey, chubby, maybe hit the treadmill." Huh? But they never do that. They go when you when you finally realize it, which is further down the road. You go. I got to do something. And they go, yeah, no, I knew you had to do something. I knew for like a year that you had to do something. I didn't think you were ever going to do it. Just one of those things about human nature I don't get. But anyway, we're now catering to these people. We're now making these people victims. And there is nothing more coveted on the left than victimhood. You got this story from the New York Post. A plus-sized travel influencer. What the hell is a travel influencer? And how do you be a fat travel influencer? I don't know is demanding that airlines change their discriminatory policies that make larger flyers pay twice as much for the same experience, admitting that making such a change may make fares for everyone more expensive. J. Lynn, J. is a chick, it's a chick, J-A-E hyphen Lynn, because one name isn't enough. J. Lynn Chaney who made headlines in April after starting a change.org petition, quote, demand for the FAA to protect plus-size customers, double down on being discriminated against while flying due to her size. Quote, people smaller with smaller bodies get to pay one fare to get to their destination, Chani, who has to buy an extra seat while flying, told CNN. We have to pay two fares, even though we're getting the, the same experience. If anything, our experiences are a little bit more challenging. Yeah, you are a little bit more challenging because you can't fit in the seat. You can't. You need a seatbelt extender. You're, somebody buys a seat. Somebody who is not morbid, morbid, morbidly obese will fit into their seat. And somebody like this chick who is... She's not just overweight. She is. She's carrying oxygen. She's... She's gigantic. She gets winded thinking. She needs two seats because her ass fits over two seats. So buy a second seat. That's just how to fly first class. Whatever the case. Oh, it's too expensive. to Then drive or walk. I get it. It's mean. It's nasty. It's cruel. If it's glandular, I'm sorry, but I just don't think there's that much of this that's glandular. You can have a medical exemption if it's glandular, maybe, but then people would start ab- abusing that the way they abuse service dogs and service goats and service turkeys and whatever else they're cramming on flights. So I'm sorry. Suck it in and think thin. Get over it. We've all sat with somebody where we fought over the damned you know, arm, the, the armrest, right? You fight over the damned armrest. 
Well, imagine fighting over the whole damn chair. That's what you're doing. It's mean to you people. What about the people next to you? Because I think it's actually meaner to the people next to you than it is to you. But as a society, I've just committed what is just this side of a hate crime. And in some European countries, I would likely be banned from entering them or punished if I or, or punished if I'd said this while I was there. Because that's how stupid we've gotten as a society. I don't get it. Lastly, today I want to play you something that I find particularly exciting. I am a uh, big Beatles fan. Those of you who've listened long enough know that about me. Big, big Beatles fan. And there's apparently one I liked, uh, what was it, uh, the two songs that they did on the anthology, Real Love and uh, Free as a Bird. Free as a Bird came out first. I actually liked Real Love better. I'd kind of like them to go back and redo it with this new technology because there's an amazing technology now. Look, you can have all the problems in the world with AI, and I do. I think it's a problem. But if apparently you can train AI to find really grainy, crappy demos that uh, Paul has from John of John dinking around on a piano and you can just train the AI to only take out John's vocals, which eliminates all the fuzz, the pop from the tape, the buzz from the electronics. Anybody who's worked an old tape recorder knows what I'm talking about. This was recorded in like 1980 or something. And the grainy piano and everything. And you can get a clean copy of John Lennon's vocals. That's going to lead to a new Beatles song. Here is Sir Paul explaining it. What do you think about efforts that are being made through technology, through artificial intelligence to recreate the early Beatles, making your voice sound younger, bringing those voices back, well, from from the grave, really? Mm -hmm. Well, it's a very interesting thing, you know. It's, uh, It's something we're all sort of tackling at the moment, you know, and trying to deal with What's it mean, you know? Um, yeah, people will tell... I don't hear that much because I'm not on the, on the uh, internet that much. But people will say to me, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a track where, you know, John's singing one of my songs. And it isn't. It's just AI, you know? So all of that is, is kind of scary, um, but exciting because it's, it's the future. Um, and we were able to use uh, that kind of thing when we did, when um, Peter Jackson did the film Get Back, where it was um, us making the Let It Be album. And he was able to extricate John's voice from a, a ropey little bit of cassette where it had John's voice and a piano. Um, he could separate them with AI. They could do, they tell the machine, that's a voice, this is a guitar, lose the guitar. And he did that. So it has great uses. So when we came to make what will be the last Beatles record, it was a demo that John had um, that we worked on, and we've just finished it up. It'll be released this year. We were able to take John's voice and get it pure through this AI so that then we could mix the record as you would normally do. You know, so it, it, gives, you, it gives you some sort of uh, leeway. So there's a good side to it and then a scary side. And uh, we'll just have to see where that leads. So there you go. One more Beatles song coming. Apparently this was 
uh, going to be the third Beatles song back during the anthology days, according to what I read. But the quality of it was so poor that George kind of said, this is not usable. They recorded for it. They they tried to create something, but apparently they've got George's guitar for it because they knew what they were going to do with it. But ultimately... It abandoned. They abandoned it because the quality was too bad. And George is like, "We can't do this. This quality is too bad." Now the quality is better. George is gone. We have his guitars, presumably. Ringo's still around, although it probably recorded bass and harmony and everything and drum back during '95 or whatever it was with the anthology. But I, I personally, I find that to be awesome. Find it to be awesome. I'm going to stop there. It's been an hour. Go about your day. It's Wednesday. June, yeah, not January. And uh, yes, check that out. Uh, check it all out at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter dot locals dot com. Appreciate the support and uh, the early birthday wishes and everything. And uh, yes, please keep them coming. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow because God knows the crazy never stops. We will stand strong with the san- our sanity pride flag which sadly is you know, the one that's really getting decimated these days anyway i'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening